Zoom has really forced you to be a little bit more particular about your, uh, you know, your, I guess your office. Is this your office where we're coming from? I declined to answer any of that fucking bullshit. All right, here we go. Here we go. There we go. That looks good. That looks good. Yeah. So now you can see that there's a door here. And now what does yeah, the door lead to? Like piece shit to do. They cut a fucking serial killer <laughs> with just shit in, in his background. Wait, this wasn't the. I remember that documentary where they the caught cat. the guy. Don't fuck with cats. Oh, yeah. I never watched that. Is it great? Yeah, but what's weird is the people that catch him are uh, almost as annoying as the fucking guy <laughs> they're trying to catch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you almost kind of hope they get like a twofer and catch the guy who. Did you see the documentary called, I think it was One Shot, where the guy was, uh, um, an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm was filmed at Dodger Stadium. And he was in the shot of Larry walking by his aisle. Oh, yeah. That saved him from going to jail. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, what are the odds? I don't know. It's scary. It's scary to not be white. Is it Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head, Bill? <laughs> um, it's, it's just, that's just branding. <laughs> Yeah. I have a whole bit on that. They're selling a plastic potato that you stick shit into in 2021. They needed to do something... They're trying to jump on the woke train so they can keep selling that fucking obsolete toy that no kid wants anymore. Every kid has moved on from that. I don't even know. It's like, at what point does nostalgia like have to take a back seat to just like the kid who makes billions of dollars opening no, toys? No, they'll have like a community chess. We'll have a gay couple in it now. They're going to do anything they can. <laughs> and they not because they care about gay rights, no. and rights to get married. They just want to keep selling chess boards. Chessboards. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, you can't fault them. I mean, you can and you should. Cause no, I, I don't fault them. What I fault are the people that get upset or excited one way or another and actually think that this corporation cares about you or is trying to fuck with your, you know, like you can't say Mr. Potato Head anybody. Yes, you can. You just did. You're okay. <laughs> This is yes. just your this is just marketing. Your okay is is truly the sentiment, I think, across all these boards. Cause it's like, look, you could go into the game Guess Who and be like, there's not enough Jews represented. And you know what? If we did break it down, there's probably too many Jews. There's a lot of stashes, there's a lot of perms, there's a lot of glasses. I never played that one. Oh, you're missing out. Guess who? It's really just like being at the airport and being like, you think that guy's got a DUI? <laughs> you know, do you think, you know, and then you uh, knocked out a bunch of, you know, people. It was just people. It's like you had one person and then people tried to guess who your person was. But that one person was also in a sea of people on the on the main board. And then so it'd be like, I got Marvin. He's got red hair, a goatee. Dude, those games were so fun and really social. Yeah, very and social. Just like, and just shit like that where it's just like. I remember a long time ago, I went on a, uh, 
I went skiing with some friends of mine. Not like I'm a big skier, but we just it was just an excuse to drink, right? Yes. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. we went up there. That's why and it's a The cable didn't work. Oh and shit! And the internet didn't work, and we freaked out. And then somebody had a deck of cards, and it instantly became the greatest weekend I ever had with oh. my friends, because we just hung around talking and laughing and joking, and we weren't all just sitting next to each other, you know, looking at a screen. As, yeah. Is is cliched as that is as we create more as we create more content right here for people to look at and not hang with their friends. Well, this is a great podcast, and I've always said this that you can have in the background while you play Uno. What is your card game of choice if you're gonna get down on a Thursday afternoon? Uh, I like spades. Yeah. Not because I'm trying to cross over. I just got that on my phone. I like I like gin rummy. Yeah. I like old lady games too. <laughs> um I like hearts. Uh, I like all of those games. I never, I never been into poker. Oh, really? Yeah, it's sort of. Why bores do I take you as a poker? Because I feel like so many people are doing it because they like. I, I respect a degenerate gambler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, like someone I do. where it's just like, <clears throat> it's like Deion Sanders. Yeah. In any era, whatever era he played, he was going to be flashy Dominant. and he was going to be that guy. Yeah. But there was a point in sports at some point. Agents were like, hey, man, put some crazy streak in your hair. Do something. And people started deliberately (laughs) becoming personalities because it was lucrative. Yeah. I feel the same way like poker because there was always sort of a seedy, underbelly, badass fucking. (laughs) You get killed playing poker. So (laughs) it was like a way for like, um, you know, I think it's an identity that people like, like at the height of hipsterism. Where they they would go and they'd find an old like mobile gas shirt with some guy's name on it, <laughs> and they'd wear it like they lived this blue collar life, which they didn't. My fantasy it was, a was poker uniform. that the hipster would run into the person in real life. <laughs> yeah, Daryl. Like, yeah, my name's Ernie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what? My my whole existence is ironic to you. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're mocking my life because I sucked in math. And all right, I didn't study hard enough in high school. So now. <laughs> yeah. Like that was such a. Uh, the blue collar uniform. It's like that's such a funny thing to be like, this is my life's work. This is what I am. And you're wearing it as like a joke. Like that's what other job has that? I guess a clown. I guess there's a lot. That, well, no, that was it was a really weird period. Where it was like people were. uh I can't explain it, what they were doing. They were like, they were dressing like, like, I don't know, like these, these, they, they, they weren't doing it. They were like, it was like they were dressing for an acting role. Yeah. It was so fucking bizarre. Yeah. And uh, it was like all these fucking nerds who started drinking PBR. <laughs> It's just like, nobody yeah. drank PBR. The fucking 60 year old guy who plowed fucking snow. Would drink that shit. What are you guys trying to be like? Act like you just got off the factory and you got a lunchbox and a hard hat? You're artists. So far from what that life. What are you life. doing? Yeah, yeah. That, was, that, was, that was a really bad, bad fucking time. And I think um, I think the same thing that kind of, because the hipster thing kind of seemed like it fizzled out, at least totally. overt, hip, overt yeah. hipsterism. Am I too old to understand that? Or no, not? I a thousand percent feel like there was... I want to say early 2000s, I feel like in L.A., I was constantly around it and was really introduced to it in L.A. I don't know if there was 
I mean, Seattle's got its fair share of, you know, hipster uh, content and, and personas walking around. And obviously, I feel like just through the, the grunge era, probably also in a way, the same way that the hipsters would sport like a blue collar lifestyle. I think they started to kind of transition in Seattle to like what I'm wearing right now, but be like, yeah, like I was in a band back in the day. And it was like, oh, really? How many shows did you guys play? Well, never really any, but we made a couple records. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are they out? Nah, but hey, Pastor I PBR. I thought the trucker hat started it. There you go. That was the beginning of it that I noticed. It's like, yeah, but you don't drive a truck. <laughs> you drive a Hyundai And you Tucson. live in Los Angeles and you drink fucking vitamin water. <laughs> oh, Why man. are you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and also, I just as an old guy that my whole childhood became ironic. Sure. And uh, then it became, you know what else kind of I thought kind of died out? What's that? It was all those stupid fucking beers. And in the end, Miller High Life and all the shit that I drank as a kid all survived. Dude. Where it was just like that. There was nothing wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember that they had all that, you know, fuck you, you bastard beer. <laughs> Everything was like these badass names like uh, suicidal machete <laughs> lager. Yeah. Just- all of that shit. It was just like, it was just all of these fucking beta guys Trying to walk around and act like they had bar fights. <laughs> not saying that's who I was because I I, I I was never into bar fights. I was just like, I am not. You're always going together watch. The floor and being that guy getting fucking tap danced on <laughs> with no bouncer, no referee, no cop. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Nobody, I ain't no tough guy. Nobody but, to step but, in and you know, call it. And I dressed, I dressed like the fucking geek I was. Well, uh, what was your favorite decade? Do you, I'm sure you've, you know, talked about this but do you when you really have to break it down i'm talking tunes comedy movies life you know just the is there Dude, a time of them all yeah I've, lo- I've been having the best fucking time i've just had a great fucking time and now i'm a dad i taught my daughter how to ride a bike you know i went on my Holy first bike ride with my daughter shit. i mean how is this not the best decade <laughs> and then last decade i finally started selling tickets i got to do a couple of tours where i had a tour bus and we'd watch Goodfellas oh and eat Gabagool as we fucking oh drank bourbon and shit. I mean, God. smoking cigars. I had a fucking great time doing that. Uh, the decade before that, I, I I got on the Opie and Anthony show. Yeah. I met my wife. That was a great one. 90s, I started doing stand-up. 80s, I went to hair metal bands. 70s were the 70s. And 60s, I was born. The fuck? I have no beef with any of it. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. By the way, I would watch a show. you just talking about hipsters not getting into uh, bar fights. There's probably a big brother or a celebrity rehab type. Put everybody that shouldn't be there in the bubble type show. You know what I'm saying? Like a bar fight. People that have never been in fights. Because, you you know, you famously have talked in your act about how everybody needs to get the shit beat out of them once. Or hit. I might be paraphrasing. Yes. Which I, yeah. Yes. Um, was it hit or just beat the shit out of that you say everyone needs... Just to get a little, I think it was just. I think getting punched in the face, yeah, it resets the hard drive. Like, oh, I was being an asshole. (laughs) Dude, I could not agree more. That's such a, I mean, you know, that's one Or at least threatened, and then you back down and realize the coward you are, and you need to shut the fuck up, which also happened to me in numerous times. Oh, really? So you you didn't fight, but you were what? Just like lippy and kind of. No, I fought a lot up until a certain point, and then everybody else shot up. And I hit puberty late. And then all of a sudden, I was like, I mean, 
head and shoulders smaller than these people. So I had to, I had to kind of go with like the humor. Yeah. And that type of thing. So then when it, once it became like, uh, I mean, I mean, I had a big family. So, I mean, if, if, but family fights don't count. No, those they don't. are, those are amateur bouts. They don't prep you for the real, the real world. Right. No, because dad's coming home <laughs> and the guy beating the shit out of you has to answer him. <laughs> so he's, he's beating you like, you know, how guys used to beat their wives. They would beat them down here. So no one would see the bruises. That's how my brother used to beat the shit out of me. You wouldn't hit me in the face, and then there'd be no evidence of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or the side of the head. Right. Like when I had hair, that was a good place to get hit. Or just throw you down the stairs, whatever. You know, big brother shit. Hey, guys, Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. You know, who hasn't been standing in the wine aisle just staring at the shelves like a dum-dum? Do you want a California red or maybe uh, a, a white from Oregon? Something organic, something with flavor, or just a really nice label? It's intimidating, it's overwhelming, it's embarrassing. People are like, dude, does that guy not even know how to pick out beverages? Thankfully, there's First Leaf, a better way to discover wine at a fraction of the price that you'll find in any store. First Leaf is a fully customizable wine club. That's pretty cool, being a part of a club that has to do with wine. I've never been in a wine club, but now I am because First Leaf sends curated boxes of wine that are perfect for you. And they have more award-winning wine than anyone else. With First Leaf, there's no guesswork, no misguided recommendations from an employee who doesn't know what you like or what they're even doing on earth. And there's no frustration on your part. Each wine shipment is entirely customized to your unique palate and preferences. Unlike big box wine memberships, First Leaf uses a one-of-a-kind algorithm and your feedback to curate future wine recommendations. The more wine you taste and review, the better the shipments get. First Leaf works directly with the world's best winemakers, not only to find the best wines available, but to pass the savings on to you, the consumer, saving you up to 60% off retail. The convenience of First Leaf is what got me hooked. Again, like, I tell them what I like. I like a little bit of a sweeter Chardonnay, a little bit of a more, uh, you know, just thicker-based um, Pinot, uh, a red that's got a little bit of a bite to it. They get all that going for you. So look, save time, money, and stress with First Leaf, the wine club designed with you in mind. And I meant that to rhyme. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine. Holy shit, six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. All you got to do is go to tryfirstleaf.com slash ALN to get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash ALN. And now back to the episode. My sister threw a high heel shoe at my back and I claimed I was paralyzed, but in my defense, thought I was. The edge of the high heel shoe she was adopted. Yeah. I made some really fucked up comment about her being adopted, which is like. Flash true. <laughs> you held the mirror up. Her parents didn't want her and you brought it up. You shouldn't have, but it was right. Oh, dude, there was only so many fat jokes I could take in 1992. I mean, I was, you know, there's always when you know that your tits are bigger than your sister's, you still don't want to hear it. You know what I'm saying? And it was All a right. bad. It was just it wasn't my fault that these snacks were so good. But but I digress. But she threw that shoe like a fucking boomerang and the tip of it hit me in the middle of my spine and I and I collapsed, not from like trying to oversell the uh, the fall, but literally it felt like something she hit the exact point on the vertebrae to where I just kind of arms went out and I went down and I go, I'm paralyzed. And she goes, shut the fuck up. And then I well, locked her in the garage. You had those man tits to cushion the blow when you fell. <laughs> <laughs> you built in airbags. That's a good thing. You're not wrong. Uh, so um, I got to say, first of all, uh, thanks for doing this. The um, the the uh, 
I thought we were going to speak before this, and here's why, and I want to get your take on this. So two days ago, I think I just sent you a text confirming, and then five minutes later, I get a phone call that says Bill Burr. And we've texted, you know, quite a bit, and it's been nice. Never spoken on the phone, I don't think. So I get a phone call from you, and I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. I go, ah, you know, and you know the first time phone call for anybody that's in your world, you go, you kind of fucking, you know, just sit up a little straight. You got whatever, you hold the phone up, you make sure and I pick it you up. You really were the fat kid. <laughs> your snacks were your friends. I just saw your whole child. I, saw, I see the sadness and pain. Okay, okay, I get it. Oh, dude, if you want to get into it, I can lay down if you want. Yeah, it. Uh, no, 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 I don't want to. I got too many demons. I'm finally facing myself. All right. So I call you, you get all excited. And how did I disappoint you? I pick up and I go, Bill Burr. And then there's just that two seconds of sadness when it settles in, when you hear the background chatter and you go, is not calling me right now. And then I I pocket dialed. You pocket dialed. And I heard about two seconds of, I just bought stuff to make chocolate malts. And then I go, this is probably when I should get off. So I hung up. So my first question oh, is... Oh, I was probably doing my podcast. Yeah? Yeah. That's, that's like that's my big thing now. Is, is cooking. I bought malt so I can make a chocolate malt because when I was a kid, I used to visit my grandparents uh, and they lived in the Midwest and we used to have fraps on the East Coast. Everyone had a different rep- recipe and I loved the malt, that aftertaste, which just added this extra thing to it. Oh, yeah. So I kind of quit everything. So my thing is once a week on Saturdays, I hang out with my wife and I make a chocolate malt with like the fucking whipped cream and the fucking little cherry on top. Wow. The whole thing. <laughs> wow, dude. That's all I got left. <laughs> like I'm actually plotting in the middle of this week. Am I going to go Oreo this week? I mean, dude, I got nothing. That's a I fuck. Got- Hey, that's your, you're, you're continuing to make this the best decade. Wait, so malts, let's break this down though. A malt isn't a blizzard. This isn't a McFlurry. It's, or is it in the same family? No, no, no. I, dude, I went down this rabbit hole. There's, there's a fribble. There's a frap. There's an awful, awful. There's a malt. There's all these different names. And the awful, awful has been taken by two things. There's the awful, awful, which, which started in New Jersey and lives on in Rhode Island. Due to that place going out of business, I don't know what happened. It's some creamery. I think you can get one in Fall River um, in Massachusetts. And um, the name came about because allegedly some guy, when he tried it, they said, what do you think of it? And he said, well, it's awful big and it's awful good. So they called it the awful, awful. And then recently I was reading about, somehow I was reading about Reno, one of my favorite towns to do on the road. Um, Really? Yes. Yeah. I don't like the main ones. Yeah. The, 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 the other ones that are considered, why the fuck would you ever go there? Those are the people that are psyched when you show up. You're actually exactly right. Yeah. You go to LA, you too goes to LA. They don't give a fuck that I'm going there. <laughs> They're spoiled. Yeah. yeah you too doesn't go to Reno. I don't think they go to Reno. I don't. Anyway. Um, or whoever the big band is nowadays. Um. Ariana so I, I, re- I read about some burger joint that I would have loved to have gone to. Yeah. It was the old, just, you know, the, the little counter with the round stools, like just Mike. I love dive bars and I like shit like that. Yeah. And it went out of business and they had a burger called the awful, awful. And I go, why is it called the awful, awful? And they go, well, 
We gave it to some guy and he ate it and he said, this is awful good. It's awful big and it's awful good. It was the exact same fucking story. That's fucking amazing. I'm thinking, uh, if I had to guess the way white people migrated slash murdered people as we went across this nation, (laughs) that um, migrated is the nice way of saying it, is somebody was in Jersey went out there and then they they did their little switcheroo of it, which used to happen a lot. Guys would leave the East Coast and go to Vegas and take some some people's jokes with them when they went out there. No shit. Yeah. There's still no comedy police, really. How do you even... Cell phones. Cell phones get everybody now. Yeah. They used to not be... Dude, back in the... All of that, all of that shit that used to exist, the casting couch... All of that shit, that shit is all, everybody's, everybody's J. Edgar Hoover now, recording. Everything's I can't believe anybody would, would, would try anything at this point. (laughs) You mean like new bits on stage? No, 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 no. I'm just saying any sort of bad behavior. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to be documented. It's like shit. I saw this fucking thing, this plane crashed and hit a car. Unfortunately, it was fucking brutal. And somebody's doorbell camera caught it. Jesus Christ. So I think I I think there's very Dude, there was two guys in the fucking wilderness, this father and son, they shot a bear that was hibernating and its calf. Not its calf, what do you call it? It's cub. Which is not legal. Jesus. They're like, you know us, we don't give a fuck and blah blah blah. And then they cleaned up the whole crime scene. And the whole fucking thing was on camera because the Rangers knew that the thing was hibernating there and they were doing some sort of behavioral tests on these bears. And these guys got busted. <laughs> They're in the middle of the fucking woods. They shot a bear. And they and, and it was illegal and there was a camera on them and got busted. So I'm saying I don't understand how anybody fucking does anything anymore. Has that made you? <clears throat> I mean, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole two nights ago of uh, fast food drive through fights. And by the way, that can soak up three hours real quick there's somebody always goes through the window either the employee <laughs> bingo or the person who didn't get their order you got it there's one famous one there's some that have like thirteen thousand views where it's like a guy off in the corner and you get like you know a guy behind the counter who's just you know the guy was yelling at him for taking too long with his fries he's and then the, you just hear the guy's voice raised to where he goes well it takes a while to make fucking fries and then the guy's like you fucking suck my dick and he's like and then all of a sudden somebody's strangling somebody and then it cuts off but the one that's got like eight billion views was a woman at a drive-thru she's asking and this is the title says a lot you know what i'm saying sometimes it just says like mcdonald's mcnugget dad drive-thru fiasco and you're like that's a lot of keywords to pique my interest. But this one that's got the, all the views said like, like traumatic lady smashes window drive through raw footage. I mean, the raw footage is raw immediate, footage always gets you always gets you. So she pulls up, they got the sound, they got the, the guy's mic at the drive through and you can hear her through the drive through window incredibly audible, uh, just very audibly. And she pulls up and she wants McNuggets and the guy tells her, it's 10.30 in the morning. We don't have McNuggets. And she goes, yes, you do, which is just awesome. Because you can tell from this point, she might have worked at a McDonald's at some point. And she's like, look, motherfucker, I know there's McNuggets back there. Go get them. Put them in the goddamn. Oh, wow. So then she gets up. I thought up- she was going Clint Eastwood. <laughs> like, basically, you do now. If I order chicken nuggets, you have chicken nuggets. So she was right. They have chicken nuggets at 1030 in the morning. I, I mean, she thinks they do. This guy was very adamant about that. They don't. He hard stance. So then she gets out of the car. 
starts uh, tries to reach through. He closes it, and right as she he's getting ready to close it, she gets her hand in there, like very Indiana Jones slipping out before the boulder gets him, and just snaps it and then pushes the door open, reaches through, hits him. He closes it. She breaks the window, says, I'm going to eat your fucking face, and then uh, smashes the window and drives off. And uh, hey, you know, and she that was, wanted her nuggets, and that was Kamala Harris. But they got it all on tape. <laughs> Today's episode of the About Last Night podcast is brought to you by Five Four Clothing and the Menlo House. If you know anything about me, you know that I like clothes. I love to buy them. I love to wear them. That's what they're for. And you only look good if you feel good, right? That's where 5-4 Clothing comes in. I've been fucking with 5-4 Clothing for years now. They got this company, Menlo House, that's got 5-4 New Republic Grand Running Club and Melrose Place all under the Menlo House banner, and it's a baller clothing company for dudes. They've got t-shirts, shirts, jackets, sweaters, jeans, pants, shorts, activewear, shoes, accessories, and more. And what you do is you give them your sizes, okay, your fit and your style, and they curate the perfect package for you and send it to you monthly. If you want to join the club, the Menlo Club Monthly, it's $59 a month, and you get over $240 worth of apparel. Again, it's the shit. There's other brands out there and companies that do this, but I only fuck with the Menlo House because, well, they're the best. You know, the clothes always fit me perfectly, and I always get compliments on the jackets, the shirts, just got some new hoodies and pants. And they fit me to a T, and that's what you want in your clothes. So, got a special deal for you guys right now. If you go on over to themenlohouse.com, M-E-N-L-O, house.com, and use the promo code 40MENLOALN, you're going to get $40 off your first month for your discount package, okay? $40 off the first month, and that includes the Arrowhead button-down plus the Cali Chinos and more. So, go to themenlohouse.com, use the promo code 40MENLOALN, 40 M E N L O A L N and get $40 off your first month. All right? Start looking good and feeling good. And you can't do that unless you're in 5 4 clothing. Do you have moments? I mean, your Philly rant, obviously, famously, like, that was a blessing in disguise, right? I- I'm so curious. I just saw you talking about it, or maybe Bob Saget talking about it, uh, how you got off stage. I didn't realize this. You know, you just you see it and you go, yeah, I guess you would think, oh, cool, that was fun. I made the most of that moment. But Bob said that you got off and were like, fuck, that was, you weren't pumped about what just happened. Where, as you no, I thought my career was over. Wow. Because I knew it was being filmed and I just thought that everyone was just going to say, oh, you got booed, you stink. And then the next week, which a lot of people don't know, the next week we went out again and I went on and I walked on stage and everybody booed me because they wanted me to do it again. In a different city? Uh, yeah. On that tour. So then the tour was over on that night. And I just said, you know, I just went out. I was like, guys, I'm not doing this every week. Like they wanted me to recreate. Am I going to pretend to get angry? You guys are going to pretend to be a bad crowd. Right. Yeah. It's got to be organic. Wow. So they they wanted you to kind of, they just, they, they put you on as this roast. They decided that you were going to be like a roast guy. So they were like, oh, fuck with our city now. Right. Now it's our turn. Yeah. Because. Um, Opie and Anthony and Jimmy talked about it and were praising, you know, they were nice about it. They said, you know, you know, he had a tough set, but he got out of it and blah, blah. And they were saying how amazing it was. And so then everybody was just like, oh, and I knew it was coming because I was, few people saw me backstage and just went, boo. <laughs> I mean, they were animals. It was like a morning, morning talk show fans. Yeah. And not just fans, the fans that actually show up. 
Is there an amazing? Like back in the day, I listened to Howard Stern, but if he was going to a strip mall, I wasn't showing up. I had a job. <laughs> and I remember when I was on Opie and Anthony, we would do these fucking live things on like a Tuesday morning at eight in the morning. I'd be like, who the fuck is coming here? The people that showed up. Oh, yeah. True creatures of the world. People that had nowhere to be as no. adults at 8, 8 a.m. Oh, yeah. Showed up, man. And it was fucking wild. Are those the same people that go to Walmart in like Des Moines at like 1230 at night? Because that's my favorite time to go to Walmart. That's when the it's a fucking zoo at that point. Where you just hear it used people. used to be the grocery store. When you would go to a grocery store late, late night, a 24-hour Ralph's out here in L.A. Oh, yeah. You'd see strippers, <laughs> musicians, freaks. <laughs> agoraphobic people and you go wow look at this fucking freak show and then he had to be like well i'm here too they're probably looking at me like look at that orange guy what the fuck's going on with him how much max salad do you need yeah so i used to uh yeah that was great people watching there was a back in um when there was a music scene out in la yeah Everything was rock and roll. So it was rock and roll Denny's, rock and roll Ralph's. Oh, yeah. That's what they, they branded themselves at because the strips had the whole metal scene on it. So when we came here in the 90s, it still was sort of called <laughs> that by like just as a joke. It was a joke by the time I got there. But there was some people. I remember that I used to play drums at this rehearsal space. And there was this guy just stuck in the 80s. In a bad and a good way. Bad way, he was still doing crack. Good way, <laughs> yeah, he still had the long hair. Yeah, no sleeves on his shirt, and then he and he and he drove a uh, a Firebird, not the Trans Am, and it was the F body, that one that came out in the eighties. Oh yeah, my dad had one of those. After, yeah, yeah, after the uh, the Burt Reynolds one, that next style. So yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Is there a freedom in saying? Because I feel like when you were on stage at that uh, Philly show, you said truly ever there was no filter there was a point when it turned when i think you just leaned into it and maybe it was right from the get-go to where there any awful thing it, it looked as a comic to where you get an opportunity where you're like i just get to say every possible worst thing i can is there a freedom in that or do you start to try to go all right, well, I got to make sure it's all funny obviously and you know just no i wasn't trying to be funny that was all legitimate hatred and luckily yeah that is the thing but what you're talking about makes me sad for younger comics that with these the you know sort of the stand-up police that they're trying to be out there now right and the most heartbreaking thing is some of them are fellow comedians yeah which like dude like it's it's like watching a monster movie where like the monster gets out of the lab or something it was just like wait or the monster turns on you or some shit it's just like, what are you, you're taking out fellow comics over jokes? Like, what in the fuck? Like, it's the most anti-comedian thing ever. And I, I do really find it funny that, uh, or ironic, I guess, that, you know, allegedly how bad it was before and toxic and so not inclusive and all of this shit, that now that these super liberal white people got in control of this thing, they're the most they're like literally trying to take subject matter off the table and oh, yeah. words and attitudes and like it like censoring it's fucking nuts it is fucking nuts 
that yeah. not not that they're doing it because there's always been people trying to do that, but the fact that they don't see the irony in what they're doing. Right. That like you guys are so liberal, you are like uh like crazy right conservatives, mm. except on the left. Right. So I think it's like right now is the time all comedians should go up on stage and say what you just said, which is basically, is there a freedom of going up there and saying whatever the fuck you want to say? Yes, there is. And I was reminded of that when I, I did this guy had this uh, these COVID shows over the summer. I don't want to get anybody in trouble or anything, but he had these fucking shows where there was no cameras or anything like that. You could say whatever the fuck you wanted. And it's not like you want, I can say whatever I want, so yeah. I'm going to be ignorant. Yes. It's like, oh, my God, I can just be free to do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like the feeling we're going to have when we get past this COVID thing. You can take your fucking mask off and hug somebody and not feel like you're going to fucking <laughs> kill them, you know, get somebody sick, you know. So it was like that. I'm like, oh, my God, this is what stand up used to be. This is how it used to be. You would go up there and you would just start riffing. You'd get an idea and you'd feed off the crowd and they would be laughing and they would egg you on. And where where is this going to take me? And it didn't always go to comedy gold. And sometimes it fell on its face and sometimes it veered into a to a place that was mean or you shouldn't have gone to. But like, that's just what happened. Yeah. I took a swing. I missed. Yeah. But the crowd was a lot more forgiving. Yeah. Because it was kind of a, there was more of a, a give and take with the audience of like, hey, we want to hear anything and everything, right? Nothing should be off limits. Yeah, but they also, they weren't drunk with power. Right. Which is what happened, which is they became the celebrity with their own show. Well, social media changed and, that, right? And, and regular people, their own show is social media. Yes. And, 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 um, Blogs. Just wanting to have their, oh, I was triggered. I was offended and turned the spotlight on me. The other 1,500 people enjoyed it, but me, well, what, 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 what I was going through. And like, it's like you are literally acting like a, a, a person that gets their own TV show that becomes a psycho. <laughs> like the behavior of some of these, these so-called Joe six packs that put their, you know, their pants on one leg at a time. And, you know, these are the real heroes are some of the biggest cunts I've ever run into <laughs> in my life. And a lot of the people that I run into in our business, you know, you definitely run into the people that are they're fucking egomaniacs and blah, blah. We all got oh, an yeah. ego if you're going up there doing that shit. Sure. But like, you know, a lot of people I, I you know, that I truly super talented people, some of the most humble people question themselves are really inquisitive, would rather hear you talk about yourself than them. I think that's part of their genius mm. is that they're still like searching and, and wanting to hear things. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people behaving the way they're accusing celebrities of behaving. So okay. I, I get a kick out of that. Well, a great example of that is our roast of Big Poppy in Boston, circa 2015, 16, that never saw the light of day and was supposed to be on Showtime. I think Nessun, like, was a star. I mean, you know, star oh, was studded. Was that supposed to be televised? Fuck yeah. Showtime was supposed to air it, which would have been great. I mean, nobody would have known who the fuck I was for, you know, various reasons. Oh, and- but you were great. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he, for those guys, obviously didn't see it. You went out. Like dressed like a 55, 60 year old Yankees fan <laughs> in Boston. Full prosthetic. And you just shit all over the Red Sox. And we loved it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was, you know what was- I fucking love that. You walked by me in the lobby and said hello and I didn't even recognize you. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, I go, I tell that story a lot, I go, because the night before we ran our jokes at Laugh Boston and you were like, so what, you're going to dress up like Babe Ruth or some shit? And I was like, I was like, no man, I got this makeup gal coming out. You were just very like, I don't know, man, like, you know, I don't know what, what you got planned. And yeah, we're in the lobby and we were waiting to walk over to the House of Blues and and full prosthetic to where what you were fascinated with were the uh, jowls, I think they're called, the the neck, yeah. the oldness yeah, the old of the neck. neck. And all of that. No, yeah. that's great, dude. You're a really amazing actor and character actor. <laughs> oh, thanks. I man. wish that thing aired, dude. You would have got some acting work. Out of, I had a great time on that. Road. You fucking murdered. And it was one of those things. You went at the end. I actually think I roasted Lenny more than I roasted David Ortiz. You did. Yeah. Uh, Pedroia roasted uh, Ortiz quite a bit. Uh but yeah, oh, Pedroia was fucking hilarious. He crushed and he it. had all those great stories where the guy well, I my favorite one was when the guy um Well Ortiz he, didn't he, know. I think his... he struck out or something, he's walking away, <laughs> and the guy the catcher knew him and he said something, something, Dustin. Yeah. And and Poppy was on deck and Poppy looked at him and he goes, What the fuck did that guy say to you? What the fuck did that guy call you? He said he called me Dustin. And he goes, What the fuck does that mean? Like, cause that's my first name. <laughs> he didn't fucking know. He didn't know. He, didn't he goes, know. oh, I didn't know that was your name. He goes, I bat right before you. And they say, now coming to the plate, Dustin Pedroia. On a loudspeaker. So whatever his nickname was, what yeah. was his nickname? Oh, dude, I don't know. Something about his height. It was... I wanted to say Petey, but that was Pedro. I yeah. Think. yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had a nickname for him. Yeah. So he, he, <laughs> he had no idea his first name was... That, yeah, that was such a real moment, too, because those are I don't know. I don't know you becoming buds with athletes and just even what your interest level is uh, from the, the peel the curtain back. Like, do you want to hear, you know, all these stories? I'm not buds with, I hang out with comedians, dude. I, I, I don't I mean, I, I've worked and I, I, I've, I've done some roasts and shit like that, but I don't know. Like I'm fucking hanging out with like. You know, it's not cool. What? Well, what's the what's the cool level to become like rock stars, musicians? Are those the guys that you go? Oh, if I get to have a, a beer with so and so, a drummer you were looked up to, is that what gets you know it becomes cooler for you or not? No, I want to go to Reno and get the awful, awful and sit there by myself, dude. I'm a fucking weirdo. No, Damn. I like all those people and I hang out with them and shit. There's there's a few, uh, but like I learned early on, if you're just hanging out with somebody because they're famous, you feel gross. When you don't feel a connection and you're still hanging in there. Oh, yeah. I still remember who I was talking. I'm not going to say who, but who I was talking to. And I felt this awful feeling in me. And I was like, like, this isn't fair to this person. <laughs> this person needs a real friend. And I'm just fucking talking to him now because. So then I just sort of, you know, it's the first night I was hanging out with them. And then they, they just sort of fizzled. But like, yeah, like that's uh, that's something you do early on. But you got to like. You have to hang out with someone because you like them, not because of what they're doing. If you do it the other, people get married for those reasons and it doesn't work. thousand percent. Hey guys, Adam Ray here. Hope you're enjoying this episode of the About Last Night podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep. That's right, baby. We're all sleeping during the pandemic, probably a little bit more and hopefully better. But look, I have not been sleeping well. And the people at Helix Sleep reached out and said, we'd like to send you a mattress. We'd like to sponsor the pod. I said, fuck Yeah. Um, what do you got? So I ordered me a California King because I live in Cali and I'm a Burger King girl. I got this mattress. It was super easy. Sent it super fast, by the way. Open it up, plopped it on the bed. 
and I've been sleeping like a goddamn king. It's unbelievable. Uh, Helix Sleep basically has a quiz that you'll take two minutes to fill out, and it basically will match your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you, for the way that you sleep. Now, look, there's so many different mattresses to choose from. I took the Helix quiz. They matched me up with the perfect one for my body, and it's been a game changer. You know what I'm saying? My dog Pickles loves to sleep on it. My fiance loves it. It's just the best. I'm going to be ordering more because that's just the way I roll. I'm an impulse buyer when I love something. So if you're having trouble sleeping or you want to be sleeping better and you know you can, take the quiz. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz. Order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress will come right to your door. Ship for free, and you don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Helix is so dope, but you can't take my word for it. They're the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 and by GQ and Wired Magazine. So here's what I want you to do. Go to helixsleep.com slash about. Take the two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. I'm telling you, I only push shit that I love that has been a game changer, and this is. Guess what? Helix also has a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. That's fucking bonkers. Risk-free for 100 nights. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I know that you will. So here's what you do. Helix right now is offering up to $200 off all the mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners at helixsleep.com slash about. That's helixsleep.com slash about for up to $200 off and two free pillows. Quit sleeping on those old, soggy, wheat-thin stained mattresses at night. You deserve better, you look better, and you sleep and feel better when you get on a Helix Sleep mattress. So give yourself the upgrade. Treat yourself. There's nobody on the planet like you, so why would you buy a generic mattress built for anyone else? HelixSleep.com slash about for up to $200 off and two free pillows. Do it now, baby. And now back to the episode. Are you ever going to write a book of the shit you've learned, or is this just like you stand up for that outlet? Like, do you ever think about, A, writing a book or like, you know, because you, you, you have such a uh, just sharp view on life always like what, you know, it, comedy on and off stage. You've always like said stuff where I'm like, I fucking yes. And most people do. Do you, um, do you like write these things down or is it just like you're, you feel like you've gotten so conditioned to live life and soak up certain experiences and just know how you feel about that and, uh, and just kind of pocket it away for the rest of how you want to no, live. I think, I think it started like 20 years ago when I kind of lost everything. Didn't have a manager, didn't have an agent. You know, I got a, I got a big acting gig early and then we got canceled. And then I was trying to get another big acting gig, which was not the road I wanted to be on. I wanted to be, I wanted to learn how to be a comedian. Right. But I got the big, big acting gig and everybody was looking at me. Oh, he's going to, he's going to have this great acting career. And then when it wasn't happening, I could feel people looking at me and I didn't know how to block it out and just do what I wanted to do. And I moved back to New York in 99 and it took me, uh, it took me about five years to apply what I figured out in 99, which is like, I'm just going to fucking do what I want to do. And I'm going to say what I want to say. And whoever wants to work with me wants to work with me. And if they don't, they don't. Fuck all of this must-see TV. Fuck all of this trying to, you know, uh, all these dumbass awards and all this shit. Fuck all of this shit. I'm just going to do what I want to do and try to be as funny as I can be. And it, But it took me... Um, it took me about five years to 
totally commit to that and yes. stop looking like, oh, they like guys in blue shirts. Should I, should I wear a blue shirt? Yes. You know, took about, and then to apply it and then to, to slowly have it start getting momentum. And become second nature, um, right? I just knew that I was going to be the guy, you know, there's people that can kind of like, they come in and they're ready and they go from floor one to floor 60 to, to 80 and they just keep, you know, we all eventually come back down. But um, I knew my thing was I, I was going to go floor one to floor two to floor three to floor four, <laughs> knock down to three, back up to four, yeah, five. Yeah. I just knew I had to do every shithole. I just, I was not, I was not what they were looking for. <laughs> I, was, I didn't look like what they wanted. I wasn't saying what they want. I just was not that. So, um, and then where, how they saw me, I did not like, I didn't want to do that. Like how was that? I was coming in, someone who looked like me was going to get the, you know, uh, you know, some Norman Rockwell looking shit or be the, 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 Oh gee, Oh, ooh, the fucking, that guy, the <laughs> yeah. Ron Howard sort of. Right. Okay. Fawns, you know, the, the tag along guy. Yeah. 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 Which, you know, I, I, I don't mind playing that. Sure. But I don't want to just do that. Right. So, like, um, I got an acting gig coming up this month where I'm, I'm playing something really differently. Because now, you know, I'm getting a lot of like, hey, can you play an asshole from Boston? It's like, again, I mean, I've already done that. So, no, I don't want to do that. Like, I got to do some other shit. Um, you know, just kind of have, like, fun with it or whatever. But I, I sort of, I guess, learn to uh, stop thinking about what is everybody else doing? I mean, I made all the mistakes all young comics do. I was looking at other people and, oh, Adam got this. Yeah. And Adam started here. Yeah. And, and then I started right here and he already got this. This means I'm failing right. rather than being happy for you. Yes. Um, yes. All of that shit that just saps your energy. It's a waste. It's a fucking waste, man. And yeah, not- it, is, it is a waste. And then also, I uh, got to be honest with you, I've seen some people get pretty fucking big. And uh, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes along. You know, being anonymous is, is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. If you can do that in this day and age, it's pretty fucking hard to do. But if you can just kind of just be someone that nobody really knows or pays attention to, you can have a great fucking life. Like Frank you know, Oz. Friends are your friends. You know that they're friends with you. You know, not saying that, you know, even in small towns, there's people that want to. There's like little celebrities in, in small towns. The right. best looking chick, the most powerful dude. Yeah. Or whatever. Those are probably both sexist things at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is funny because all they talk about is is how guys get all the fucking jobs and women don't get jobs. But then when you describe that scenario, then you become a sexist. It's like, so then what is it? Then then what is it? What the fuck am I supposed to say? Yeah. So. Um, well, I I gotta say it's it's uh because look, and I know personally I've had to try to figure that out. Being a people pleaser, right, and wanting not only looking both ways and being like, you shouldn't figure anything out. You should just do what the fuck you do. You are such an enormous fucking talent, dude. Your fucking acting chops, your character chops, the sound of your voice. You could do have a radio career. All you have to do is figure out what the fuck you want to do and block everything else out, and then don't be a dick so people want to work with you and you'll be fine. That's it. Well, I got that part down because I always feel like I still got these man boobs, you know, and that's just going to, that's not going anywhere. 
That's a good thing. It is, right? That's a good thing. I know. I, dude, I'm, I was fucking, I had orange hair when I was a kid. I never feel like I'm in. <laughs> I, isn't that fucking weird, dude? As cool as you can feel, like it's, uh, I mean, yeah. But that's a good thing to have, right? Like the little bit, just a little slice of humble pie every now and then, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a great thing about being, uh, you know, being married and having kids is great for your life. It's great for your life. You come home, they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. Will you, <laughs> you will know? You, will you tell hey, me? I just did this big, you know, fuck it. They don't give a fuck. I know. My, hey, I, we're out of dishwashing liquor. Can you go get it? <laughs> All right. You know what's funny is that's one of the things I've enjoyed most about as much as I, I you know, it was awful to see all these tense cities and people losing businesses and stuff. Oh, yeah. The upside is a traveling comedian is, you know, I've been home every single day except for eight. I did an eight day run in Texas. But other than that, I've been home every day of my son's life. Oh, my God. It's been awesome. He's how old now? Not even a year, right? Yeah, he's almost 10 months. Wow, dude. Holy shit. I mean, that just wouldn't have happened, right? I mean, you would have. No, I would have been like on the road. I, I My daughter probably couldn't ride a bike right now. I still would have made time for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just like, um, I learned that because I hated school. Me too. Like, so I learned that it has to be fun. Yes. So what? How I teach my kid is I I I, I there's the game within the game. There's the fun. Because once they get the tricycle down, they don't want to go to the balance bike because they know the tricycle. So then you got to make the game. All right, just get on the balance bike. Whatever you do, don't run over daddy's toes. And then they start smiling and they want to run over your fucking toes. Hilarious. Because it's funny. And then they don't realize they're learning the thing. And then. Uh, That's brilliant, dude. Yeah. Then she got that down and then like. So now she has the bike. Now she can ride a bicycle. So I just want to, you know, because now yesterday I went on the first bike ride with her, but I want to make sure that she she's really extra good. So I'm going to go to the big five sporting good, and I'm going to buy those little cones. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to create like a real simple thing at first. Like, okay, you got to do like these little S turns and stuff. Perfect. And then um, turn it into this game. And meanwhile, she's actually learning these skills. So I don't have to have a panic attack like she's going to fucking – you know, fall on her beautiful little face. That's amazing, dude. How much does it make things? So like when you came back from the Grammys, wife, kids, like, is it just you, as soon as you get home from something like that, which is such a new fun experience. And I, have a I had so much fucking fun on that. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I really want to be the guy who's too cool for an award. Uh, yeah. That's but what when I'm... I lost that hurt for like four hours, legit hurt. Oh man. Really? And I was like, oh, cause you know what it was, dude? It's funny is when you're there, <laughs> When you, but I was gonna lose. I, I mean, Tiffany is one of the funniest, yes. craziest fucking people yeah. I've ever hung out with in my life. Like yeah. she is like a force. Yeah, dude. She she is like she is fucking hilarious yeah. and it's the greatest energy. Just somebody you just want to fucking be around. Is it me or is there something shiny on my face? What's yeah, there's a little. Looks like a little like a like a white cyst that keeps following you around. And you weren't going to say anything the whole time? What is that? I will, when you oh, leave, there it is. There you go. reflection off the fucking mirror yeah. window. Um, <laughs> so this is what it is. So I went to the, you're just going to let that happen. I know, dude. I was, well, I was giving you a benefit. Of, I was giving you a 90-second buffer. 
Look, I'm the guy that tells you if you got food on 90, your face. You're not the guy. You just had the opportunity to be the guy, and you weren't the guy. Don't do not do this. When somebody goes like that, they're, they're full of shit. Here, well, here's what you happened. You look like you're arguing a call that you know they got right. <laughs> you got so fired up to tell me about your Grammy experience. Do you think I wanted to cock block it by being like, you got a white light sucking on your lip? Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So how it works is... So of all the nominees, I was the only one who was there because yeah. of COVID, right? Tiffany was taping a show and then, you know, and everybody else is just, you know, whatever. So they go, oh, your category's coming up. So the guy picks up a Grammy and is holding it in front of me like I'm going to take it like a handoff. And he saw the look on my face. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at him like, does that mean I want it? Do you know already? And he goes, so he saw the look on my face. He goes, no, no, no. This is just in case you win it because you got to take it and go. You got to run right up there. And accept it because they needed the internet thing to end, so we didn't run into to oh. uh, to, to the to the real brand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so then it's like right there, and it's just like, and the winner is somebody else. And then the guy literally just turns away. It becomes a play action fake, and then he throws a little screen pass to somebody else. And when I tell you, dude, two minutes later, uh, you're standing in a parking lot wondering what the fuck just happened. That's how it went down, dude. It was, and I was talking to another uh, host. She lost, too. And we were laughing. But then, like, two seconds later, her dad came out. And he saw King of Staten Island and really liked it. So we took pictures. And that made me feel good. And uh, I couldn't believe how bummed out I was. Really? Yeah. You usually just don't give enough uh, attention to stuff like that or what? Because you got enough cool notches on the belt. But what about it gave it more no, value? No, 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 none of that. It's it's like uh, I say I don't care because I don't want to feel like that when I don't win it. Yes, that makes sense. So it's just one of those things. I'll yeah. just say I, I, I'm going to hurt it before it hurts me. There you go. <laughs> so the whole thing was funny because they were like, do you want to do you want to become a member of the Grammys? <laughs> yeah. The Grammy thing. And it's like, no, I don't. But I want to win. So I don't want to piss you off. So you're like, yes. And they're like, all right, that costs this much. It's like, do you want to be a presenter? It's like, no. Yeah. But I don't want to lose. So I'm like, yes. Dude. And then I'm standing down there in this fucking goddamn suit. <laughs> the whole thing was hilarious. Well, the whole the thing, whole was, thing is, is, was a, but here's the thing. It was all worth it because the amount of fun, like I would be a presenter on something. I, I would definitely do it again. I had so much, and it's all about, it might be different if there's actually a crowd there. I think if a crowd was there, it would have sucked and they'd be all sensitive. I was going to ask dude, you that. You know, when you're making the camera, it's just the camera crew. That's like when you're doing a gig and the, and the crowd isn't laughing, but the band's laughing. Dude, I love that. <laughs> yes. I fucking love that. No, if you could do that to a point, but those people also paid to see a show. So at some point you got to get back over the double line yeah. into their shit. But when you tell one and only the band laughs or only the camera crew's laughing, <laughs> That's when you're just like, you oh, can sleep that was night. really funny. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, you had, I've never in the history, and look, as much as I like, I guess, love, hate the award shows because of the lack of, and I'm hating it for the wrong reasons. I'm always wanting more comedy, more sketches, more goofy shit. And when it's like Ricky Gervais, I fucking loved. And I just rewatched some of those just to see Tom Hanks be like, Ew, but you know what I'm saying? Like, which, which sucks that people are, you know, taking it that seriously, but I get it. But but the way that you were like delivering, I mean, I just wrote down a few just so I wouldn't forget when you said, 
You, you, you talk to the music at one point, which I've never heard somebody do. You go, eh, and, the, and it goes to Nietzsche, and then it starts playing the music, and then it cuts away from you, and you go, and you just hear you off camera go, Nietzsche? I don't know. <laughs> just fucking, dude, trying to figure it out. Because they after. didn't, I felt, I actually, I felt bad. These people up for a Grammy, they were I know. winning a Grammy. I should be saying their names. <laughs> if you see the footage... The uncut footage. I'm saying, can you tell me how to say these fucking names? <laughs> That's what's so great about it is you know you care. Like when you said you go Jane, it was best classical solo album, and you go Jane Blatch, and then you go Blatchy, and then you, every time you went up with a question mark, I got excited. And then on that one, you can hear it audibly. You sigh and go, oh, fuck. <laughs> No. Oh, dude, you got to listen to it. Unless my ears were uh, leading me astray. But. I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch that. I mean, because I mean, in a perfect world, I would have had. A, they would have had time. Uh, yeah. To tell me how to say all those things, but I, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like are you guys setting me up here. Why would you have someone as white as me <laughs> reading these things? Yeah. And then I was thinking. Then that's when the joke came to my head, going like, "Well, I know these fucking." <laughs> hairy leg white broads are out there fucking saying this bullshit trying to get something going like they care Fuck no, about don't. anything other than themselves <laughs> you mentioned uh king of staten island uh you got like 10 more minutes sure okay thanks bud uh i texted you after i watched it man it was i remember when we were at the premiere i think it was the second time i talked to you at the uh, premiere party for the heat in new york right this was like what oh, circa yeah, 2013 it was awesome man you know, got my mom and uh, stepdad pictures with Ben Affleck. It was, you know, closed it down. Like, that's when me and Joey Mack became buds. And, and uh, it was just an awesome night. I was, I stayed till the very end because I was like, if this is the last thing I do, I don't want to not, I just want to soak it all up, you know? And it wasn't even about drinking. It was just about getting to stay, you know, and not having anyone kick me out and, and whatever. But I remember talking to, uh, to you and your wife there briefly. And, and you were so casual about the experience being like, yeah, acting's cool. Stand up like it's if something comes along and I can do it and people keep coming at me and it was such a, you know, ideal spot to be because I'm like, yeah, here I am like fucking just doing everything I can to get in rooms and win people over and be consistent and just deliver and try to get to a spot to where I'm. I already did that. It didn't work. Right. So what it is now is you're listening to somebody. I love I love acting. I have no pro I, I, I really enjoy doing it, but it's like I, uh, you know, it's one of those things. It's not like stand-up. It's not like you do it. Okay, you're funny. We'll bring you back, you know, every year, year and a half. Yeah. It's just like actors have it so hard. Like there's actors that have Oscars that are calling their agents five, six years later going, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, it's not crazy. All right, can you put, they want you to go on tape for this. I have a fucking Oscar. <laughs> dude, like acting is, they're so disrespected. Like acting, everybody thinks they can do it. It's just like, you know, like there's so many people that think they are doing, myself included, who's not really doing. There's a difference between there's levels to it. There's being just delivering lines believably is like the first level of it. Like when I see like amazing character actors and like they 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 change the way they talk, the way they walk, the yeah. way they carry themselves, yeah. their face. Like I remember um Sexy Beast, one of my favorite movies. Everybody thought Ben Kingsley worked out and got all shredded, and he didn't. He said, no, I just I just sat really upright like this. And he was very, like, deliberate with his movements or, like, old, No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. 
One of my favorite uh, uh, movies, and I just spaced on the guy who played the serial killer in that. Um, What's his name? Uh, whatever. Oh, Bardem, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem, yeah. yeah. His, his thing was he never blinked. Oh, yeah. When he did the thing, so it made him seem like he had that page boy haircut, <laughs> and then he, he never blinked, and, he, and it just... And it was almost, and then he almost did like a comedic performance. Totally, it's a little cartoonish. And almost. but because of the staring and the haircut, yep. and the subject matter combined with sort of that comedy take on it, yep. it just became the most creepiest, unsettling thing you ever saw. And then the big testament is then to see that same actor in the next thing, and it's completely fucking different. I know. So I got a long, long way to go. <laughs> You've seen my body of work. I mean, for sure, but also, why were you so good in King of Staten Island? And I told you that. I'm going to tell you again, man. I Again, you've been consistent in all this shit, and you got to take the compliment. I know you're not good at that, but you were so good in King of Staten Island that it was like, it was surprising how easy it, it looked like it was for you. And so I want to ask you, why why were you so good in it? What did you do differently? What did you care more? Was it a bigger part that you chewed on it more? Did was it wanting to impress Judd? Was it because it was your a part that was maybe going to? No, be- it was just a fun set. It was just a yeah. fun set, and we were improving all the time, so there wasn't the stress. You know, Judd isn't a yeller. Yeah, like Jesus Christ, we're losing light. You know, he's not one of those guys. Yeah, he's yeah, just, yeah. He just comes in and be like, hey, you know, you, that that thing there with with uh, talking about the water bottle. Uh, you know, maybe. That's an area we could maybe build out. It was just like, after the first week, it was just like, oh, you just come here and have fun. And Pete was like, was like, you know, if he could shoot us out of a scene, he would, and he'd stay longer. So he's wearing the Captain C on that. So if he's doing that, he just sort of set the tone that you were going to get treated well. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I mean, I also got like um, been consistently acting and trying to get better. I don't know why it all came together. Who knows? Watch, I'll stink on the next one. Who knows? Hey guys, Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Obviously, it's a very difficult time for everyone right now. We're all uh, challenged in finding a day-to-day routine that uh, that makes our lives uh, consistent and awesome. And if there's something that's interfering with your happiness right now or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Uh, BetterHelp is a professional counseling service online, private, and it's so convenient. Um, I've used it for a little bit now. It's truly the only way uh, that I've found uh, to help get uh, my own issues dealt with on my own time Uh, at my own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions plus chat and text with your licensed professional counselor right now. They're specialized in depression, anger, stress, anxiety, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief or relationships, uh, sleeping, which I have a lot of uh, trouble with, trauma, self-esteem, anything that you share with them is confidential. And guess what? If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, at any time, you can request a new one for no additional charge. There's 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states, available worldwide. And again, there's four ways to communicate with them. Text, chat, phone, and video. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's available on any desktop, mobile web, Android, and iOS apps. Schedule a video or phone session, generally weekly, unless your therapist schedules more. 
uh, unless you just are really not sleeping and need to get some uh, some some additional chats in. Uh, there's broad expertise in the network, which may not uh, which may not be locally available in many areas. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. It's secure. It's convenient. It's professional. And above all, it's affordable, all right? It's truly the most affordable option I've found. So right now, all ALN listeners are going to get 10% off your first month with a discount code about last night. So why not get started today and start making some changes for the better in your life? You deserve it. So go to betterhelp.com slash about last night. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash about last night. Betterhelp.com slash about last night. And get 10% off your first month with promo code about last night. And now back to the episode. Dude, I remember seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman at Sundance when I went there to work. A buddy of mine got me to come out there. It was like one of those things you work the ticket things and you stand out in the cold. You get to see all these movies for free. Saw Philip Seymour Hoffman before The Savages talking about that movie. And he was so candid about how insecure he is. He goes, before every movie. He goes, every script I get and say yes to, I go, fuck. I don't, I don't fucking know what I'm going to do here. I can't do this. And, he, and it wasn't even funny. Like People laughed, but then it got very real to where you're like, Oh, he truly means that and, and feels that. And uh, and then he did a small. You know what's funny, dude? I had a meltdown right before I did that thing. And before King uh, Staten Island? somebody else, a bigger actor on it, also had a meltdown. I think that's part of being like. Um, I don't know. It's part of caring. If you didn't care, you wouldn't have the meltdown. The By the meltdown way- is you don't want to do a bad job. And then I think the insecurity that you're going to blow it and get fired and lose your career and have to move home with your parents and become homeless and you just start catastrophizing. Whatever that is, that insecurity, that vulnerability, if you can somehow channel that and put it into whatever you're doing, it the thing starts to come alive. Because bef- I've always felt that in my career, but I feel like earlier in my career, I was walled off in defensive so it was more, um, so my wheelhouse became like, like this, you know? Yeah. By the way, how much does it say that I'm still a fat kid where you say meltdown and I think of ice cream on a hot day? Well, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's better than doing heroin, <laughs> you know? Although it seems if you do heroin and become a junkie, you do have abs for life. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah, dude. Just did kill Tony out here in Austin and saw an uh, ex-heroin guy who was just shredded still. And it was, you know, you, you go, all right, I kind of Maybe they it. can do the CBD version of, of heroin. Because <laughs> remember that? That was the thing. Heroin chic. Oh, yeah. For a while with oh. all these super skinny fucking... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Models and all of that, that craziness. Uh, before we wrap this up, last thing. Uh, shrooms. <laughs> Mushrooms, yeah. Yeah. Didn't know you were, uh, I know you were, I think, had been dabbling with edibles here and there, right? Like, never really, never no, been. Oh, a- it got out of control during the pandemic. Edibles or smoking like blunts and stuff? I just, I sort of replaced weed, alcohol with weed. Great. And it just kind of got out of control. No, it isn't great. And, yeah. I, and I think that weed in a lot of ways is cocaine in the 80s, where there's, there's going to be a fallout to it, where it's, I'm not saying it's bad, yeah. but this whole thing that, hey, man, it's, there's only plus things to this <laughs> is, um, 
you know, I what I, I've only taken mushrooms once and that's all I needed to do. I did it one time right. and I figured something out that I, I needed. I, you know, the, the, I was left. I didn't feel all that God love shit. I felt lonely, <laughs> profound sense of not being loved and all of that. And I realized, oh, this is how I felt when I was growing up. And I've never faced that. So mm. I've gone, I became a comedian. And I tried to achieve all this stuff, learn how to fly a helicopter and do all this cool shit. And, um, you didn't talk to a beanbag or anything. Talk to a beanbag. What's that? That's what I did on the second time I did mushrooms. Oh no, no. Um, <laughs> like no, anything so I come just, to life. I, yeah. So I just realized like, Oh, I've, you know, and I just sort of used alcohol as a way to, yeah. I, the classic that I'm, I'm, you know, burying this shit. So, so I feel bad about this shit. So rather than face it and figure it out, I'm going to drink alcohol and deprive my brain of oxygen so I can be in an altered state. It's fucking stupid. (laughs) It's the, it's the wrong reason. I'm not saying drinking is stupid. It's just the wrong reasons to be doing it. So, um, I just had my first like straight edge fucking month. I'm not saying like, I'm not like a fucking like addicted person i'm a sad person that used (laughs) that stuff for the wrong reasons so i would like to have a beer because i'm happy yes and have a beer and just fucking enjoy it with a nice sandwich and then be done with it yeah i don't want to be that guy that fucking has one beer and then you know starts drinking shots because he doesn't want to have a beer belly (laughs) but wants to stay ahead of the depressive smoke behind him and just keeps fucking going. I don't want to be that guy. So I am not fucking wagging my finger at anybody saying that they shouldn't, should or shouldn't be doing this shit. It just was not working for me. Well, hopefully stadiums get filled up. It looks like it, especially for football in 2021 and baseball, maybe by summertime, right? Like, is that, does that get you fired up to maybe be at a game live and, and have a cold one then? Yeah, um, I don't know, man. I, I kind of like, uh, I'm in my 50s now, and I always said I was going to go sting in my 50s, where he fucking ate right and did yoga and just looked fucking amazing. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal, so that guy. I would rather look like him in my 50s than to continue fucking being a booze bag at a fucking baseball game. Like, dude, I've drank enough beer for fucking nine lifetimes. I'm not saying I won't ever drink again yeah, or any of that shit, but it's just like uh, until I figure, you know. Yes. Yeah. When I get happy, like not happy, when I put all of this shit to bed, because I am, it's weird. I am a happy guy. I know you are. But I have this this leftover shit. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, dude, if I, I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about shit. Not bits, just stuff that's truly like regrets and oh, wow. things. And why did I do this? Why did I do that? And uh, this, how could you do that to somebody? And I'll tell you another thing: was you know when you when you actually have kids, and it it a lot of the shit that people did to you when you were a kid that adults did to you as a kid, it's even worse. Oh, You're like, man. how the fuck could you do that to this? Oh man. Yeah, dude, it's it's a really, but what you can do is like uh, to get past it. It's just like, all right, well, you know, my, you know, I, I I won't do that. Yes. This, this, my kid won't have to feel that, you know? So, you know, it is what it is. I don't have any answers. (laughs) 
<laughs> Having kids though probably another guy trying to fucking figure it out. No, you're 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 great, dude. Um, yeah, you seeing the last time I think I talked to you at the at the car show, the uh, the Magic Castle show, and you were sharing some kid stories. It got me, and I'm 38. I'm gonna be 39 in June. Do you have any? Do you remember 38 or 39? What was happening career wise, family wise? I'm, I want kids by the time I'm 40. You know, I'm like uncle of the year to my nieces and nephews, and I've been doing that since they were born because dad didn't even come in to well until my nieces were five. But I know it's way different when they're your own kids, obviously, than being an uncle. Um, but at 38, what was happening? Any advice for me at that stage in life? And I'm not just talking about 38, me. 39, I, I was in the process of being done with New York and moving to LA. Oh, wow. So, wow. Um, and being ready to be in LA this time, because I'd been in LA in the 90s and I wasn't ready and didn't want to be here. Um, any advice? Well, I mean, I mean, your life is your life and my life is my life. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know where you're at. You, yeah. you know, you're in a lot better place. You got a nice full head of hair, you know, <laughs> you're in a different, <laughs> different, we, we went on different avenues, but I just, you know, I wouldn't put any pressure on, uh, on this whole fuck. I'm going from 39 to 40. It's like, well, 38 to 39. Why isn't that a big deal? I yeah. just, just fucking have a good time because it flies it fucking flies by and uh you know all of that cliched shit try to be present try to fucking yeah you only need a couple two three friends you know you get some money save it don't buy a bunch of dumb shit well i could definitely and then once you get somewhere you help out the new people behind you don't be that fucking asshole who looks at young people like they're gonna take what you got go back and help them out maybe they you, they can avoid some of the shit that you went through same way you do with your kid yeah, you've, you've crushed that part of it for sure with, um, with you know, not only just taking guys on the road, but with all the, uh, you know, all the things you've produced for people, you know, Paul Verzi, Kirsten's specials, like that's, uh, you know, uh, that's Ian, it. Yeah, Ian Edwards, we've Ian, done some yeah. stuff with. we got some new kids coming up that I've just learned about in the last few years that have, you know, ideas. And we're trying to be this production company where, you know, you don't get the behind the music deal. All things comedy. Yeah. That's why we started. It initially started off as a podcast network and now has grown into this. Uh, you know, I just wrote a movie with a buddy of mine, Ben Tischler. We're yeah. getting some financing for it. I think my boy Cameron's jamming with you on that, right? Huh? Cameron Five. I think my he's uh, jamming with you guys on that. Is that the one that he's... he's... Uh, it's so early on. I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. We're, I've never put one of these together, so I'm afraid to talk about anything, but it's very exciting what's happening. It is exciting. All right, I want to end on this. You never got to be on Inside the Actor Studio, although I feel like if Lipton were still around, I feel like this would just be inevitable. So I want to run through his 10 questions uh, with you. <laughs> I don't know about that. All will, right. you, will you do a 10-question Lipton with me? Now, do you want okay. me to do it as Lipton or just as Adam Ray? You gave me all these no, characters. No, I, lo I love your impressions. All do right. it as Lipton. I thought about doing it as... All right. <clears throat> We've got Bill Bear here. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> Bill, what's your favorite word? No. Great. No, I'm bad at it because I have this fucking need to be liked. So I say yes to everything and then I have no time. And then I flip out and act like an asshole in my house. <laughs> Acting like I have no power. No is my new favorite. Can you do this? No, I cannot. I don't. I don't have the time. No is a positive word for me. <laughs> My favorite word is candied yams. 
What is your least favorite word, Bill? Two words. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? However, I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough fucking game, isn't it? Good thing I'm dead. Wait, what, what is my least favorite word? Um, how about expression? Can you use it in For a sense? Me. An expression? How so? It's, it's for me. I just can't. I just feel like for me. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I think that's that's what's wrong with us as people. <laughs> Bill, what turns you on? Free time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where Lipton turns to his to the crowd of students and goes. Yeah, yeah, having nothing to do. Having just a Saturday where I can hang out with my wife oh, and make her laugh. That's great. And nobody's texting me. Oh, what turns you off? Um, well, I, I, what turns me off is, uh, aside from just human behavior, in general, I would say um, the phony fucking white people acting like they care. White people who call themselves woke and not seeing like, like, like that's not something you bestow on yourself. That's something that somebody who isn't white says you are because of your actions. It shouldn't be written on the side of your fucking yoga pants. Sorry. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? Oh, that's a, it's a tough one. Mm. I love them all. You can have three. Fuck. Cunt. Uh, and then anything silly. Cocksucker. Yes. Ass face, you know, just any, any of the silly ones. I like the blunt ones. Like cunt, fuck, really gets it out of you. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah, compound words like bitch tits don't have as much impact. Yeah, those are always silly. Ass face, bitch tits. Yes. Fuck nuts. <laughs> like that shit's all just funny. Poop cock. I remember a heavy metal album. When in the liner notes, they thank someone. It was like, like Joe Smith. It was Joe, air quote, uh, hey, shit, fuck. <laughs> So-and-so. So I just pictured this roadie when someone was messing up. <laughs> hey, shit, fuck. Why don't you? <laughs> it's just like, it was really <laughs> unique. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> What? And it never really caught on. The sun's coming in here. I'm going to get a fucking sunburn. Oh, mood lighting now. Dad. All right. There he is. I'm not washed out. <laughs> what sound perfect for this next question? What sound or noise do you love? Oh, the sound of a professional drummer playing on, on, a, on a perfectly tuned up kit without anybody else and just playing a groove is one of my favorite. The sound of a... a a helicopter. Um, 
Yeah, it's a bunch of them. And what sound do you hate? Oh, there's a particular laugh that I love. Ooh. That is, it's, uh, it's, it's beyond funny. It's that you fucking connected to something in them that they thought only they noticed. There's a different, that, that's the laugh that I, I've been chasing after forever. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? What profession other than my own? <laughs> uh, I'd be a teacher. For what grade? High school. Would you call them cunts if they were being cunts? Yes. Great. Without a doubt. <laughs> Without a doubt. High school or, or college? What profession would you not, would you not like? Who wrote these fucking questions? What profession would you not, <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? So somebody goes, want to do this, Bill Burr? And you go, no, you can't. I wouldn't want to be a cop. I wouldn't want to pull somebody over and fucking have to walk up to the car wondering what the, in the middle of the night, what am I walking into? And then also I wouldn't want to be, uh, you know, have to fucking look the other way when someone was abusing their power because of some blue coat. It just seems like you can't win as a cop. And then all the horrible shit you have to see. It just, yeah, just, it just seems like a thankless fucking job. Would you dress up as a cop? Absolutely. And I come out of a cake for you. That was my last question. <laughs> <laughs> the, last, the last question is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say at the pearly gates? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was fucking around. I should have taken it more seriously. Would you like something to drink? <laughs> oh, man. That fucking went way better than expected. Dude, uh, uh, this, I hope you had a good time. That was fucking awesome. I had a dude. great time. Yeah, I had I, a great time. I appreciate you, Bill. Um, glad all was well, man. Uh, you, you know, and uh, I can't. I hope we never you. talked about this either. And I want to leave them wondering what I did to my finger. Oh, yeah. Let's, hey, just at least hold it up so they can get uh, probably a. Uh, the and then full they put plastic around it to make sure that uh, <laughs> it wouldn't get wet. So uh, I wouldn't, you know. In fact, where they put it, had to put in the sutures. Now, are you coming up with like crazier stories for what happened than what did happen? Because I cut myself making a cheese sandwich while I was in college, went to the ER. The hot nurse was like, what happened? And I go, it's making a cheese sandwich. She goes, come up with something better. And I was like, huh? And that was my first dose of like, hey, hot chick being like, your shitty story like is only losing you points. And I was like, I didn't know I needed to try to hit on you right now. I'm getting stitches. Wow, how hot was she that she was that mean when you were bleeding? <laughs> she was very hot. And it was out of nowhere. It, it was at Cedar sinai I just, you know, she probably didn't even work there. But wait, so. You know what? She probably eventually did an open mic. That's a pretty good, you got to come up with something better than that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude, be well. I really appreciate right, it, Bill. Man, thank you. Thank you, buddy. All right, we'll see you. Okay.